Welcome to Cash Money. My name is Patrick Vieira, and I'm joined today with the CIO of Cash, Brian Hankey, and also with Arnold Solomon, the founder of Mount Pellerin. Welcome to both of you. Great to have you both on air. Let's get this started. Arnold, can you tell us a bit about yourself and Mount Pellerin? My name is Arno Solomon. I'm the founder of Montpellier Company. Originally, my background, I'm, a, I'm an engineer from the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in uh, communication systems and with uh, specialty in IT security. Uh, but I did pretty much all my career as a commodity and FX trader here in Geneva. Um, so that's really like having those uh, double hats, I would, I would call it. But for me, that was really kind of interesting experience because I started my career, my career in 2007, 2008 as a junior trader on the trade floor. Um, you tend to, you know, as, a, as an engineer, at least you want to demystify, you know, what is a trading floor, the superstar traders and this and that. And um, that ends up, you know, like you asking you know, silly questions such as like, what is money? Um, why does it bear an interest rate? Um, uh, why is this interest rate decided by a central planner instead of, um, you know, having it being decided by the market, just like anything else. And ultimately, what you end up uh, seeing is that very few people ask themselves such questions. And it's very disappointing for, you know, someone young, just starting in the uh, in the in the work life and, and, and asking so many questions, not to find anyone having in the past, you know, questioned themselves um, about that. And, and, and so that led me to Having a lot of, let's call it, libertarian slash Austrian school of economics uh, readings. And I became very more interested into those topics more and more. And so that's why for me, when I discovered Bitcoin, uh, that was back in 2012, a friend of mine told me about it. I mean, the first time I heard about it was in 2011, but the very first time we really like, you know, have this mind explosion, like revelation about it was really 2012. And since then it became an absolute obsession. And that's pretty much it for my background. Um, I mean, I, I started the company Montpellerin uh, in 2018. The, the mission of Montpellier and the vision and the global idea behind is to create, it's a project, uh, to create a new kind of institution uh, that would be based on three fundamental pillars, which is full reserve, marketplace and tokenization. I could maybe explain that uh, a, bit, a bit further, but today what we are is we are a financial intermediary. We are serving customers uh, for crypto on and off ramp. We are very much specialized in large volume tickets, like helping clients to cash out uh, their crypto wells in or part of their crypto wells into Swiss private banks. And on the other side, to help also high net worth individuals to get uh, exposure to uh, to that new market. So that is one of the fundamental service that we offer. Um, we are also very much specialized in the so-called tokenization. And here, this is, I guess, something quite interesting because there is a clear distinction between what I would call crypto and tokens. Yeah? If you think about it, Bitcoin and Ether and, and the like, um, they are through new assets. Yeah? So these are new assets, new asset class. There is not a well-defined issuer. Um, it's an open and free market for anyone to join. Um, and, and there is no well-defined issuer. And that's really the, the, the main point. And that makes it like kind of unique, just like as if there were a new commodity out there. Whereas when you think about tokens and tokenization, it's totally different. You have um, an issuer that is well-defined. So for example, in the case of Libra, uh, it was Facebook and you know the association behind uh, when it comes to a company that wants to incorporate its shares into tokens, same, you have uh, an issuer that is well-defined. And basically, this issuer has to respect the um, 
regulatory context in which he evolved. And again, what matters is the underlying, you know, what you incorporate into the token, whether it's a, a bond, uh, a share, a complex structured financial product, a utility, um, whatever. Yeah? And whatever you incorporate, because at the end of the day, it's just a contract between the issuer and the token holder. You have to, to respect over time uh, and during the issuance process and during the secondary market, you have to respect the compliance and regulatory rules. And this is what we have done in 2018 with uh, the so-called bridge protocol, uh, which aims at solving that problem for financial institutions to help them bring part or totally their balance sheet on chain. So this is maybe another topic that we could develop during the, uh, the discussion, which is quite interesting. Can you talk more about tokenization? And specifically, I noticed that you have an MPS token. Can you exactly. tell us more about that and how that works? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, again, back in 2018, in Switzerland, uh, we managed to incorporate our shares into tokens. That might sound easy today. At that time, that was very pioneering. Of course, there were already a lot of STOs. Um, STOs mean security tokens offering, but that was not really shares, yeah? meaning that people would try to mimic the shares uh, and, and through a private contractual agreement. For example, um, I will share with you future uh, dividends. I will grant you some consultative voting rights, uh, that kind of things that, you know, looks like a share. But it's not, yeah. So, so they were coming with the idea of having, you know, the token could be redeemed uh, at the company level, so that you are registered in the shareholder registry or that kind of thing, yeah. And and at that time in 2018, what we were working with an association here, uh, which lobbied for that, uh, with the regulator in Switzerland, which was composed of a, a very large law firm, some banks, etc. And we were then the first company ever in Switzerland to incorporate our shares into token and to make it legally one thing, meaning that the token holder is a shareholder and as such, he is protected by Swiss law and not only by the private contractual agreement that the company has provided at the issuance level. And, and, and that was, I believe, uh, uh, kind of a game changer at that time. Uh, it positioned Switzerland as a very strong and, and, and forward-looking place for tokenization. And, um, and of course, since then, we've helped many, many clients to, uh, to do the same. Uh, we have like some very prestigious clients using our bridge protocol, uh, which is used exactly for that, to, uh, to incorporate uh, uh, rules uh, into security tokens in order to make sure that you will remain, remain compliant during the full life cycle of tokens. And in a way that is slightly more elegant than just adding a whitelist per token. Yeah. So the idea is really to have a rule engine uh, that can contextually authorize our uh, interrupted transactions um, based on sort of, com of compliance rules. But not only, it could be also because you have uh, a, share a shareholder agreement in place, you know, with the uh, clauses such as the tag alone, drag alone, and all those rights and all those contracts actually can be um, um, implemented in the form of smart contracts in order for it to um, automate part of its, you know, corporate actions and as well as, uh, again, uh, compliance rules, etc. And the, the beauty of the bridge protocol and where we believe this is very advanced is that we thought um, about building it in a way that is multi-token. Yeah. So the idea is that as a let's let, let it was really very much designed for institutions. So. As a, as a bank, you know, if you issue a Swiss franc token, it's kind of different because you have to put it on your own balance sheet. It's not something that uh, can be run uh, very out, out, out of the balance sheet. So that means that every 
person that owns such token becomes a customer of the bank. Therefore, the bank has to do the fuel due diligence. It can have a risk-based approach saying like, you know, maybe up to 50 francs per transaction, um, no KYC needed, and up to maybe 500 Swiss francs over a rolling period of 12 months for a single address. That's fine. You know, that's maybe their rules that they would put on their own, a risk-based approach. But then for sure, they will have to do the full identification process when people reach 5,000, for example, and they would have to actually have the full KYC. And then when the clients uh, have a transaction volume of uh, 25K, they would actually need to document the AML, meaning the economical context, the origin of the fund. And then maybe if you reach 300K, then they would want to document as well the fiscality of the client. You know, this is all the kind of things. Huh? And obviously that works um, quite easily when you have one token. But now let's say you have Swiss franc, euro, pound, dollar, etc. Of course, now the bank has to aggregate um, those compliance rules, yeah. So it, it it shouldn't develop the limit because you have two tokens. Yeah? So so that's exactly what the, the bridge protocol V2 is solving is being able for any issuer to create a realm uh, within. He will actually um, aggregate all the compliance and regulatory rules uh, over a single realm. Yeah, and that's actually quite fascinating. We have Realty uh, that is using that exactly for that purpose because they have like something like 200 properties today that they have issued, and and having a whitelist per token was not really uh, desirable. So yeah, so that's the um, in a nutshell what the Bridge Protocol is about. I noticed that you can buy this MPS token on Uniswap. How are you able to actually offer shares or a security token on a decentralized exchange where it can be traded between unknown uh, users? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Actually, we don't. Um, the uh, um, the legal context in Switzerland is quite clear. Um, our shares can be freely transferable, um, meaning that people can actually become liquidity provider on Uniswap or SushiSwap on XDAI or, Poly or you know any other chain. I mean, for the MPS, it's only on the Gnosis chain and, and, and Ethereum. The, uh, and here, this is basically only done by, you know, market participants and nothing more, nothing less. We have no restrictions as to the transferability of our shares. Um, and therefore, uh, people are free to offer them for sale on Uniswap and, and SushiSwap. This is something that can be done by any company in Switzerland? Of course, yeah. Tokenizing shares is a very straightforward process in Switzerland. Again, we've done it many times for several clients. And uh, I would stress the point that uh, tokenizing a Swiss company is really a control C, control V process. There's no need to have lawyers involved in that. Yeah, So it's really, uh, you know, a kind of a shelf service that we can do for very cheap. People can even do it on their own if they are literate enough to understand what they do in terms of the tech side and as in, in terms of the legal side. We offer a service for clients which we believe are added value, such as the escrow account. Um, again, usually when companies are tokenizing, not all, but some want to raise money. Therefore, they want to sell uh, some of their shares to the crowd and to have them becoming full shareholders as well as ambassadors of the project, etc. But they need to collect money. Yeah, So collecting um, crypto is kind of easy. Anyone can do it on their own. Uh, although there are some rules that applies here that people need to follow. Uh, otherwise, they can delegate it to us. And we offer um, dedicated IBANs in, in euro, pound, dollar, and Swiss franc for them to collect also fiat, not only crypto. And we do the full due diligence. We do the full compliance file so that when you receive the money on your bank account, you have something fully documented by a regulated financial intermediary in Switzerland. Yeah? And we have 
I believe, quite a very good reputation here in terms uh, within the banking systems, uh, within the banks uh, in general. We have this uh, reputation of being popular than the poop in terms of compliance. So that's why, you know, they trust uh, our um, compliance report. And what about if you want to pay out dividends? Are you able to pay out dividends to these shareholders? Of course. So the company can pay out dividends in, in every form uh, the company is want. So the company can pay dividends in the traditional form of banking wire. Uh, the company can pay dividends in, in on-chain, you know, directly to the to the wallet, proportionally to the amount of shares he owned. Um, so that's, uh, again, that's a, that's a legal thing. Yeah. So I mean, the company in Switzerland, at least, I, I know in, in the US it can be different, but at, at least in Switzerland, when you want to distribute dividends, a company has to have a general meeting. Within this general meeting, this has to be voted. And once it's voted, then it can be acted. Yeah. This is also something that we have proven uh, not only for the issuance level, but also for the running. You know, as a company, you have uh, mandatory things that you have to do every year, such as, again, the general meetings, etc. And today, we, uh, we did it already two times, which is to conduct the general meeting directly within the wallet. So we have a wallet called the Bridge Wallet uh, that completes the suits of the, of the service we offer. But the, uh, the Bridge Wallet, basically, when you own an MPS there, or even within a linked address externally, you can click on it and you can participate to the general meeting. Uh, so you have a live uh, YouTube stream so that me as a president, I would present the agenda, the account, the election of the board, the election of some members, blah, 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 blah. And people would vote on chain proportionally to the amount of shares they own directly within the wallet. Yeah. And that's, you know, so how you, you know, uh, um, simplify the process of corporate governance. Of course, this is usually startups, they have like few shareholders, so they do those general meetings within the meeting room of the uh, of the company. But for us, for example, we have something like, I don't know, 800 shareholders or something um, that wouldn't be really feasible to invite 800 uh, people within our office. <laughs> of course, so we do that digitally through the wallet. Yeah. And the bridge wallet is your product. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the bridge wallet is, is a very traditional wallet. It's a non-custodial wallet uh, or self-custodial wallet. That means that you own your keys. You have to actually make sure you have a backup of it. And from there, you can basically interact with uh, several different chains, all EVM compatible plus Tezos and Bitcoin. And uh, from there, we offer the uh, easy on and off ramp services, meaning that you can buy and sell crypto through banking wire. We also have a web version where you can use the card. Recently, we've introduced the no KYC policy, meaning that's uh, below certain amount. And those amounts of where actually uh, approved by FINMA, we'll see if it stands long. But uh, today, this is uh, 1000 per day. 15,000 per month and 100k per year, uh, no need for KYC. So we believe this is also a good thing for people to, you know, get exposed to crypto easily in a, you know, not in a custodial way, because we want to educate people that crypto is meant for liberty. Crypto is meant for be your own bank. And basically our motto in the future is, you know, push people to unbank themselves and tell them, look, you have a wallet here. We've made the bridge, hence the name between the legacy payment routes and these new uh, blockchain payment routes. And at the end of the day, an address and an IBAN is a similar thing. It's a routing system. And we are here to do the interface, meaning that when you want to make a payment in the legacy payment route, you just indicate the IBANs to which you want to pay. And then we would use the uh, the Jarvis stable coins to, uh, to settle that, meaning that they would send us uh, J euro. We would convert that to euro and pay on your behalf uh, whatever um, bills or things you have to pay. So 
that's really, uh, at the end of the day, the idea of uh, telling people that instead of collecting euros on a bank account, they can collect euros in the form of stable coins in their own wallet and have a company like Montparin to do the interface for payments. Yeah. You said there's no KYC up to a certain limit, but also that the wallet is non-custodial. So if it's non-custodial, how would you even enforce that? So the KYC part is only for the fiat on and off ramp yeah so when you I use okay. the wallet you can use the wallet as a, just any wallet so that is permissionless obviously so it's just a wallet you can add as many tokens as you want you can you know interact with through wallet connect with as many protocols as you want you can do basically basically it's just a traditional non-custodial wallet but of course on top of it uh, we offer the possibility for you to buy and sell uh, uh, through your bank. Yeah? And, and therefore here, because there is this connection to the legacy payment systems, we need to comply with the existing rules of KYC, AML, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the good thing now in Switzerland is that we have some kind of exemption for this uh, 1,000 per day, 15,000 per month and 100K per year. And there is some kind of tol tolerance here for the KYC limit. Above that, of course, we, for sure, we will have to identify you properly. Does your wallet support hardware wallet integration? Um, it, it, it doesn't need to. The, the, so the idea is that this wallet is, um, is a wallet in itself and you can link external addresses. Yeah? So the, the idea is that the wallet will never have the power over your trezor or your ledger. Yeah? Uh, but this wallet is able to read the public address of those. Yeah? And by linking those two, what simply happened is that you can do direct on the front directly from your trezor. Yeah? So once you have linked it and you make a banking wire, let's say you want to do DCA, it will automatically, when we receive the wire, you know, credit your trezor or your ledger instead of crediting your uh, mobile wallet. Going back to what you were saying about tokenizing companies and tokenizing company shares, I'm wondering how easy is it for a Swiss company to own foreign assets and things abroad because something that's come up frequently with tokenization is that sometimes you want to tokenize an asset in a country that doesn't have a strong legal framework to do it. So let's say I wanted to create a Swiss company, perhaps I would own a building in a different country. Yes, that's possible. Uh, although there are some few difficulties, but I would say elements to take into account. Um, so you can actually do pretty much everything. Yeah? A company is easy to tokenize. Um, yeah, it's, if you address the public below 8 million, you have just a simplified prospectus you know, for raising money. Uh, above that, you need to actually file the prospectus to the, at the regulator level. Um, and then, of course, there are some uh, rules, which is uh, what we call substance over form, meaning that Let's say if you do that in order to create some kind of uh, disguise fund, so maybe, you know, the company will have the sole uh, purpose of, you know, investing in assets and managing it actively, um, that actually looks like a fund. And therefore, the regulator might indeed requalify the company as a fund and therefore need it to be licensed as such. Yeah? So these are little things that, needs to, that you need to be aware of when you tokenize a company. It depends on the activity. If your company is doing tech, if your company is doing this, if everything is, is well-defined, that's fine. But if the company is only managing assets, investing in asset, managing in asset, uh, that could be requalified by the regulator as a, a collective investment scheme. And therefore, that would be highly not desirable. The, um, but of course, when you talk about real estate, there are some tricks, simply because 
the what the important things to escape this notion of collective investment scheme is that stakeholders need to have voting power as to the financial management of the assets. Yeah, if it's a if it's a collective decision, the investments uh, that's very different uh, than if it is uh, delegated. Yeah, if it's delegated, that looks like a fund. If let's say the shareholders can vote when you want to sell the building in order to realize the uh, profit or the um, the new value of the building that has to be voted amongst shareholders. If that kind of thing is decided only by the management, uh, that will actually might be requalified as a as a collective investment. So there are a few tricks, uh, depending on the activity of the company, that needs to be taken uh, into account in order to setting up uh, properly this thing. Yeah. Does it make a big difference if it's a single company for a single property? I mean, something that only invests in one single property wouldn't really be a fund, would it? No, no, no. Again, the, the only trick here is that within the bylaw of the company, you need to grant to the shareholders uh, some kind of special rights, such as if the company wants to sell this building one day, this is under the approval of the shareholders only. Yeah, So management cannot decide it without having the approval of the shareholders. Also, if you don't want to just give away control of your company to the general public or potentially to shareholders that you don't even know who they are, would a simple solution be to retain the majority of the tokens? Like you keep 60% yourself and only yeah, sell I mean, you, 40%? You can, you can even think of having different share class. You know, you can have uh, some share class that have uh, a more economical value and less uh, and less uh, social value, such as voting power. Yeah. So the so the uh, so it all depends. You know, if you have a share at one cent and a share at ten cents, and each share counts one vote, uh, you understand that one share has ten times the economical value of the other, although it can vote only once. Yeah. So that's also you know if you have two class of shares, that's how you also maintain some form of controls without having the majority of the economical value of it. Yeah. Can you explain to us, with the specific example of the MPS token, what are the shareholder rights that the shareholders receive? Well, MPS is very simple. We have only one class of share, not two, not three, only one. So everyone owns the same shares as uh, we do, the founders, the team, etc. So this is strictly the same shares. Plus, the public has an advantage over the team because the team is under, let's call it a shareholder agreement. That means that it's not freely transferable. Uh, and only the general public has freely transferable shares. Going back to your fiat services, can you tell us what currencies and what countries you currently support? Um, yeah, so Montpellerin supports today, um, I think, something like 20 different currencies for the collection part and, and maybe 30 or 35 for the out, outgoing part. Um, of course, we process locally Euro and Swiss franc. Uh, meaning that there is zero cost for it for the for the processing at all. When it comes today for the dollar and other currencies, uh, there is a cost uh, associated to SWIFT. So it's not us; it's the the, the SWIFT system uh, with the uh, the inter banking system. Uh, and uh, on average, uh, those people charge twenty dollar. Uh, that depends on your bank, to be honest. Um, so that's the uh, so. So today we are working on having local. Uh, settlement accounts in different uh, currencies, you know, not only euro and Swiss franc, to circumvent that uh, that issue. Because of course, 
twenty dollar is uh, it's, it's nothing if you if you know if you transfer hundred k yeah but of course if you want just to buy like a hundred or two hundred of of crypto that's uh, that's uh, completely useless so today we have we we are really um, serving the the mass customers in the eurozone and Swiss franc and for the uh, the other currencies it's mostly for higher um, end customers, high net worth individuals, larger transfers, or even companies uh, that have, we serve a lot of companies today. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been fascinating. Can you tell us where people can follow you on social media and how they can install your wallet? Yeah, thank you. Um, of course, uh, so you, we are very active on Twitter, and uh, our Telegram group is uh, is full of uh, admins and people willing to help if you have any questions or if you if there are anything unclear. I strongly encourage everyone to download the Bridge Wallet uh, from the App Store or the Google Store or the Play Store and uh, go and try um, it's very elegant it's very simple uh, it's super easy to do the on and off ramp you can even use it on the web uh, without having to download the bridge wallet by the way you can use your own metamask or you can use uh, your own treasure ledger whatsoever the uh, twitter account is at mt pelerin p-e-l-e-r-i-n and the website is mtpelerin.com m-t-p-e-l-e-r-i-n.com thank you very much Arnold Solomon, founder of Mount Pelerin, we thank you for your time and conversation, and we look forward to seeing the plans of Mount Pelerin unfold, and we wish you all the best.